Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. What's going on, everybody? This is Chris at Geek Vibes Live and Two Side Review. We are at it again this week, guys, with another top ten. This week we'll be discussing top ten comic book movie castings. I'm very excited for this uh, for this film. Jesus, there goes the glitch, Leo. Anyway, I'm very excited for this episode, and with me, as always, we have from GVNations.com writer Tia. How are you, Tia? I'm doing great. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Good to have you on. And we have uh, our special guest, my friend, Leo Rydell. Leo, how are you? Hey, what's up, Chris? How you doing, man? <clears throat> Good morning. Good morning, Leo. Thanks for joining us this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Um, it'll be exciting to talk some uh, comic book castings. Um, I definitely think we've had, um, especially recently, a slew of new characters that we can talk about, and we also have some people on the way out, so it'll be interesting to chit-chat about that a little bit, because I'm sure some of the people who are, you know, on their way out will be on this list. Yeah, definitely, and just so you know, um, we have decided to open the door up to the Netflix Marvel series um, actors and characters as well to add to this list to kind of give it a little bit more um, pop because we all agree that um, in certain episodes and certain shows uh, are, are just crushing it and the talent's there so we, we want to recognize that as well but let's get this party started and as always Tia you've got number 10 ladies first it sounds like somebody's microwaving something I can hear that in the background um, but uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. that's not it's me. all good <laughs> I I just woke Leo up, by the way, guys, and I was like, hey, man, you got to do the show or I'm going to, like, jump off a bridge. And he's like, dude, I'm calling in if that's the way it's going to be. So he's probably microwaving himself a breakfast burrito of some kind. But we'll get to Leo in just a little bit. But, Tia, let's light this candle. What do you got at number 10? Really quick, I just wanted to say I was literally running up from Dunkin' Donuts five minutes before the show started. I was like, I have to get on, but I have to have my breakfast. <laughs> so, you know, breakfast awesome. of champions, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, but anyway, starting the show at number 10, I just really want to talk about it because no matter how many years go by, no matter how many renditions we get of the character, um, to me, there is no better as Heath Ledger as the Joker in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Um, I 
I forget how old I was at that point when that movie came out, but I was already a Heath Ledger fan. But if we remember, Heath Ledger was really only known for doing those kind of, you know, teen movies. He was in 10 Things I Hate About You. He was in A Knight's Tale. So as much as I really liked Heath Ledger, I really didn't feel like he had the capability of becoming someone like the Joker. And I'll be honest in saying that when I first heard of the casting, I was like, no way. I mean, again, love Heath Ledger, but are they really going to be able to pull this off? And of course, when he passed away, it was really tragic. And when I saw uh, The Dark Knight in the theaters, I couldn't believe that that was even the same guy that we got in all those other films. And I mean, it really showed the dedication that this actor put into becoming this character. I mean, honestly, and it's a character that we kind of always go back to when we talk about the Joker. I remember not too long ago, me and Kevin, another writer from Peace Five Nation, were kind of collabing on a on a article about Jared Leto as the Joker, and one of our associates, Kanan, was like, "Well, make sure you don't compare it to Heath Ledger, because whenever." you get someone who now is doing the Joker, you can't help but say, but yeah, is it to the caliber that Heath Ledger is coming out? And I mean, I can just, to this day, I can watch The Dark Knight and still get chills when we first meet the Joker and he first uh, pulls off that mask and he says, I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. And I mean, it is just, I can continuously talk about how amazing I think he is in that film. Um, And even now that we have Joaquin Phoenix coming in as the Joker, we still make comparisons. Oh, you know, his look is kind of like a cross between Cesar Romero and Heath Ledger's Joker because it's just we can still admit all these years later that he was just a fantastic rendition of the character. And so at number 10, Heath Ledger, the Joker, the Dark Knight. Tia, it's very hard to argue against him being on this list at all. Everything <laughs> you said is 100% is 100% perfect. And to kind of geek out on the the production side of 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 Nolan and getting into you know just what he sees in his actors when he casts, he's just really good at understanding what characters are and what he wants from the character, and then finding that actor that fits it. And sometimes it you know a repeated actor because he constantly uses a few, but every once in a while he finds somebody like Christian Bale and Heath Ledger who's like, what? Do you want them to play these characters? And he's like, wait, 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 just wait for it because I'll show you what I'm going to do with it. And I fucking love that. As a filmmaker myself, um, I, I, I look for that in my projects and I look for that when I cast somebody. I try to see something that maybe somebody else doesn't or see them in a different light. Like if they constantly play this role, I'm like, no, I want you to come over here and play this role. And it lights up an actor. They love to play. They love to get into a character. They love to get their. They love direction. So they love a director who's on point and knows exactly what they want. And they they love that rapport. And I think Nolan does a great job with that. And he saw something in Heath. You're you're exactly right. Um, uh, it was in 2008, I think, when The Dark Knight came out. And I remember going to the theater and the back of my. I didn't touch the back of the seat. I was up and I was in, in, enamored with it from the from the get-go. And his introductions of his villains and his characters in his films are great. You're right. When he pulls the mask off, 
because you know something's up like right right away, right? But you're like, what in the hell is going on? It was just a great way to to open that that second installment into um, the franchise. Um, but I would argue that Heath should be a little higher on this list. But I'm gonna I, real I quick agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it's one of the things I probably don't play by the rules of the top ten, Chris. I just want to talk about the character, so I'm like, I'm just going to throw it in right away. So, but yes, absolutely, he belongs definitely further uh, up on this list. And I kind of look at the list, and you're right, as a sliding scale. This is, you know, if you're on the list, that means you're, you, you're good, you're great. And who's number one, who's number ten, that's always debatable. I always want to kind of, especially as as a crew kind of leave us open to debate. I love the fact that, you know, it's not black and white. There's a ton of gray there and all these pieces can move around and the audience can, you know, um, spark up a debate with us and the listeners, they can, they can agree or disagree with us. I just want to, it's all for fun. It's all healthy debate. And yeah, I do. I break the rules sometimes and I throw one in there just because I want it on the list and I want to talk about it. So there's nothing wrong with that. But Leo, I want to quickly, if you can put down your breakfast burrito um, and give us a quick little, uh, Little rebuttal because I know I know you love Heath Ledger's Joker. First of all, <clears throat> it's a cup of coffee, um, not a breakfast okay. burrito. I'm watching my carbs, good sir. Uh, but I will say this: um, I'm gonna go ahead and be that guy and say um, yes, hell yeah. Uh, I, I I'll, I'll say this though: I compare a lot of my Jokers to <clears throat> Hamill in the animated depiction because that's just kind of what I grew up with. Um, but when I consider, like, all Joker actors, like, the best one to me is definitely Heath's. Um, he put his own spin on it, I think. Uh, I, especially when I think Jokers, when I think especially old school Joker, I think lots of laughs, lots of actual jokes. Um, but what he brought to the character was very important, um, and that's, like, some actual actual tinges of anarchy and like darkness like he brought a very realistic um tinge to the character and i really appreciated that and believe it or not dark knight is actually not his final movie it's uh the 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 ventures of planetarium or something like that but i can't remember but the imaginarium um, of dr parnarsis yeah yeah where the character keeps on like changing but um, yeah, fantastic and, performance. Yeah. I mean, beginning to end, this guy was just freaking awesome. A, a evil genius, a creep, a psycho. And you're right, Tia. I did not, I did not expect this from um, Heath Ledger. Like when I first heard of the news, I was just like, "What? We kind of got like <laughs> a goofy, clownish kind of guy. I mean, we got the guy from Brokeback Mountain. I don't, I, I just, I don't know. Like I thought he was gonna just get up there and kind of fart." But he did a damn good job. And excuse me, guys, I'll have better answers when I wake up a little bit. But it is a hard yes for me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, Leo, man, I totally agree. And I was with you, like, oh, shit. This guy's going to be the Joker? I don't know, man. And then when we first saw those, the first images, I was like, fuck. We're, we're, we're totally getting something we we may not we may never seen before, and um, when you know all the buzz and his unfortunate passing, um, it's yeah. Because I'm like, really, the son of the Patriot, <laughs> right? And you know, I, mean, I love the Patriot. Brother it's, it's, it's a, brother's 
I know. And then uh, I think he was in not fifty, not fifty first dates, but he was in that teen movie. What was that called, Tia? Um, um, ten, ten things I hate, I hate about, you. about. Yeah. And you know who was in that? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who obviously came Ooh. back in the third movie um, to play in the Batman universe Nolan was setting up. So that's kind of kind of weird that those two actors were in that movie, but they were in separate movies of the same trilogy, not together. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's kind of neat. But you know, um, I have a soft spot for that for that film because it came out in you know when I was a teenager. But um, I I I was you know you know blown away, and um, I get I get on this topic a lot, guys. And I really quickly want to ask your opinions. Do you think, and you know, just bear with me now. Do you think we would have cared so much about his performance if he hadn't unfortunately passed away, Tia? Um, I still think we would have cared about, would he have won an Oscar? I don't know. I think he absolutely would deserve the Oscar, but as you can see, the Oscars have a trend of not wanting to give people who are in superhero movies the awards, because who knows why, even though we're still given fantastic performances. So would he have won the Oscar if he hadn't passed away? I'm not sure. I think he deserved it. Um, I, I, regardless, I think if, and, you know, we could sit here and say the shoulda, woulda, couldas, I think we still would be praising him up and down if he, you know, hadn't passed away. Um, and I think we would have been begging for another uh, another movie with him as the Joker in it if he hadn't passed away. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, um, Tom Hardy's Bane and... Um, Heath Ledger's Joker working together against fucking Batman. Oh, oh my God. And the fact that they oh, Leo. the prison. My the fact that they, we escaped the prison and we got, you know, Scarecrow, we got Cillian Murphy's Scarecrow in all three movies. I mean, can you imagine Bane releasing everyone? We definitely would have gotten the Joker involved in all of that. Yeah, damn, that would have been cool. I think he still would have got the same amount of respect. Um, I think he would have got a lot of praise from the comic book community. I I just don't know if without a death he would have gotten necessarily as much praise from the casual moviegoers. He would have still got praise, I think. But I think, unfortunately, I do think the death has a little to do with the praise from the casual audience. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I think that um, it may not have been as publicized as, as public publicized as publicized as it was, um, but I think his performance definitely would have start, would still had the same buzz. I think people would have been, you know, turn turning their eye and 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 paying closer attention to not just comic book films, but you know the range that Heath Ledger really had as an actor. I think that showcases his talent. Um, but I think, guys, honestly, we could go on and on about the late, great Heath Ledger and his performances. But um, uh, let's move on to a number nine pick, and I guess I'm coming at it at number nine. And I guess to kind of keep the trend alive, this is actually my number nine pick for real, and that's um, Michael Keaton's Batman and um, Tim Burton's 89. Uh-huh. Um, now, this oh, yeah. will probably get a little quick little bit of criticism, and you, you slide them where you want to, but for me, um, this changed um, everything uh, for me. Uh, say what you want about his portrayal of Bruce Wayne, but 
digging into the character and what Tim was trying to portray, he wanted to make a, a more vulnerable Bruce who wasn't really comfortable in his Bruce Wayne skin. He was really comfortable in being Batman because in a Tim Burton movie, he was Batman. Bruce Wayne was his mask. That, they played on it with, you know, the Joel Schumacher when he came in and, and took a shit all over it. Um, uh, sorry. And so I, I, I dig the character, what he was trying to do. And, um, but for, he was another controversial casting decision at the time. Guys, if the internet was around when they announced Michael Keaton to play Batman, it would have fucking broke because it, it, it almost, it, it was so like negative, you know, death threats were sent to him and the studio and, and people were just outraged because he had just done a film, you know, Mr. Mom. I don't know if you guys know this. He's a comedic actor. He wasn't known for doing anything dramatic at all. But Tim Burton saw something in him, uh, in his performance and his face, and he thought the, the cow, the Batman, you know, the, the look would look great on him and that he would he'd be able to raise the bar. Um, because when you, when you get to know Michael Keaton as an actor and you listen to these interviews after the fact, you find out how dedicated he actually was um, to his craft. So, um, it, but it also opened doors for him and um, the rest of the world to see his true talents, a lot like Heath Ledger. So, uh, on my he's on my list, and and for those you know for those reasons, uh, you know the fact that he portrayed a Bruce Wayne that may, many people didn't really like, but he was vulnerable and kind of uncomfortable and awkward and shy, but he was you know his own. He was in his own when he was in the suit, in the cowl, and playing Batman. Um, it, it, it just, um, it changed the genre. It changed, um, for me personally, it changed everything. Um, my, you know, my life path really kind of made me want to make movies and, and be a part of that stuff. So, um, I can go on forever, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Michael Keaton, number nine, um, 89 Batman. I throw him in there for Batman Returns too. Uh, I just, I don't know. There's just something cool about his Batman that I really like. It, it may not be my favorite, um, we might get to that later, but, uh, definitely, I think, um, because of everything I just said, he deserves to be on this list, but I'll throw it over to Tia real quick for a quick rebuttal. How do you feel about that? Um, I wouldn't say, like, as you said, Chris, that he's my favorite Batman. Uh, that being said, I, I do love Michael Keaton. I mean, he's the guy who brought us Beetlejuice. He was fantastic in Spider-Man Homecoming as uh, the Vulture. Um, I, you know what? <laughs> I, this is going to sound really bad, but it's been so long since I've seen Michael Keaton's Batman. I can't really give like a definitive, constructive criticism of it. Um, you know, I, I can't remember him being bad at it. I'll say that I didn't really like uh, George Clooney as Batman, but um, oh, as far God. as you know, my <laughs> You know, as far as Michael Keaton, as you said, that at the time, that was a very, um, you know, that would have probably been a controversial uh, casting if we had the Internet the way we have it now. People would probably be like, what the hell? Similar kind of to Heath Ledger. I mean, we all were like, what the hell is he being, you know, why is he being cast as a Joker? Just similar in the style of Michael Keaton. You know, he's doing Mr. Mom, and then next thing you know, he's in freaking Batman. Um, so, you know, that being said, I'll, I'll back up your your decision on this. Just, be, you know, as a Batman, I think he was definitely a good Batman. Was he the best Batman? I don't believe so, but I definitely think that, you know, 
we've had a lot worse Batmans, and I like the after, so I'm gonna I'm gonna back up your play here. Yeah, um, it, it, it's just it's just you know, like I say, it's a controversial pick, but you know, there's just something that sticks out. Um, I love his um, demeanor when he's on. His presence is pretty good, um, you know, and that's a testament, like I said, to um, the filmmaker, uh, Tim Burton, seeing something, you know what I mean? And he was young and he was, you know, I think that those that, those those films were Tim Burton, me personally, at his best because I, I really feel like um, he was eager to do those films more so than he is, I think. And then because he kind of trailed off and went really for style over substance um, later on in, in his career. Um, so Leo, how do you feel about, um, you know, as I get off into a rant about Tim Burton, how do you feel about number nine uh, as Michael Keaton Batman? I just want to say if my parents are listening, I love y'all so much, but y'all bought me the (laughs) the wrong first Batman movie. Um, Batman and Robin was actually the first Batman movie I saw and good fucking Lord, even as a child, I hated that fucking movie. Um, I was like, this is a terrible looking Batman. Nothing I ever would have imagined after reading the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Returns. Um, and just the clownish uh, Robin. And oh man, I don't even want to get into Mr. Freeze and all that. Like, that's a conversation for another day. However, oh, my dad was like, all right, let me show you something even better. And that was that Michael Keaton Batman, that 1989 Tim Burton. Um, Michael Keaton Batman movie and man I love Keaton as Batman I'm not even gonna lie man like Keaton as Batman is ties up for me with Christian Bale for first Um, I thought he gave a great performance as Batman even um, Batman Returns which some people arguably say is a much worse movie but I think it's pretty fun um and I'll, I'll agree with Tia. Like, it's kind of hard to really remember. I need to go back and watch both of those films um, just to get a nice, fresh take. But I just remember as a child, like, loving that Batman a lot more than Clooney's. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think that's, um, I don't think that's hard. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was a good Batman. Um, I can't seriously testify, though, because it has been um, – had long time since I went back and watched that. He was the Batman um, up until Christian Bale came along. Because let, let's be real here, guys. Was that Clooney one even worth considering being a Batman movie? <laughs> and the Val Kilmer one was, was good, but it just wasn't that hey, Val, that Val looks pretty damn good in the suit, though. I'll say he Val did. looks pretty he good did. in the suit. I'll give him that, but it wasn't I, I think I like Jim Carrey more than I did uh, yeah. Matt Kilmer. Um, Definitely. Carrey stole the show. That Riddler, bro, that was hilarious. Um, but, but yeah, I'm going to have to say definite yes. Um, I might even scale him a couple points higher, to be honest with you. Uh, I agree to you. He did a fabulous job as Vulture um, in Spider-Man Homecoming. I was almost a little more interested in him than, than Peter. <laughs> in a couple ways. Um, Don't but, forget Birdman. Oh, you know yeah. I've never Birdman. seen that. Like still to this you day. Have seen I have, Bird, oh, Tia. I, Tia, you have homework. 
I know, and I have the D- <laughs> like believe it or not, I have the DVD still in like its saran wrap because I had bought it with all the intentions of actually watching it because I was like, wow, this looks awesome, and I, I still to this day haven't like even like opened it up. <laughs> it it man, that film just showcases you, Michael Keaton talent and. Uh, that movie sh- is just shot in, a, in in such a different way. It's stylistically great. The story's awesome. The characters are great. The acting is um, phenomenal. Uh, I I recommend that highly, man. You should check it out. Um, all right, hey, guys. Yo, if you're just tuning in with us, Jack Nicholson's Joker a little bit. Like, hey, that, we're, that we'll, we'll get to him side by side <laughs> with uh, Keaton. My bad. My bad. bad. I'm done. No, you're right. We'll. I think we'll get to him. He's definitely on my list. I don't know where you have him on yours, but. Um, just to recap real quick, guys, we're talking about um, our top ten picks for comic book film castings. Um, we've also opened the the door to the Marvel Netflix series um, actors and characters as well. But to uh, recap real quick, we're at number ten is Heath Ledger's Joker. And at number nine, we have Michael Keaton's Batman 89. And we're going on to our number eight pick, and we're shooting that off to Leo. Leo, what do you got for us at number eight? <clears throat> All right, so this is another character that I'm thinking should be a lot higher, but I'm just going to toss him out now just to get him on the list. And since we brought the Marvel Netflix in, I'm going to put Vincent D'Onofrio on uh, as the Penguin. Holy smokes. Um, talk about a character that is just as not, if not more <laughs> important than the main character um, and who through a three-season arc, three seasons, which is very rare for a villain to stick, stick around in Marvel, we see finally, like, rise to the top and actually become his comic book counterpart, the Kingpin, and have complete control of the city and, and just look so menacing and, and crazy in a white suit. And, ah, man, I could just – I could go on and on about how great he is, but I just want to kind of scale it back and talk about some of the attributes he brings to the table. Like, he, he's menacing – He's just he's the kingpin that we all wanted. Um, he starts out in, in the first season kind of having some control, and we see how he takes that same control and spreads it throughout the prison and then eventually to the whole city in season three. It's just great to see an arc of character like that, and not to mention just the many scenes that he, he portrays himself as a complete psycho. I mean, the door-shutting scene in season one, um, that big epic grand fight in season three at the very end where oh. him, Daredevil, and um, Bullseye are fighting each other in, like, this three-way manner. Oh, my God, that that was ultimate. But, I mean, this guy just – he has he has the, um, the demeanor of, like, control and being on top of everything and having all the money that he needs and just having all these guys – like, he just – he has that control. He has that demeanor of menacing and – and on top and just almost stoic in demeanor. Um, but he can, but he also is, is easy to show that he can, he can lose it. And, and he's not afraid to, uh, and he's not afraid to silence anybody that needs to be silenced. I think it was, it was season three where the guy told him some bad news and he just killed him <laughs> right in the seat. Um, I, I just, I could go on and on about, how amazing Vincent D'Onofrio is as the Penguin, but I want to share the love. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put him at number eight. Tio, Tio, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. Leo, I apologize. I was reading as you were talking because I was trying to look up um, his acting credits. My fault. 
Leo, I agree with you, man. I love Vincent <clears throat> D'Onofrio, by the way. Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> as, <laughs> as the kingpin is amazing. Um, you're right. Giving him a three-season character arc is is just, um, you know, it's awesome. It's it, it just proves that. I'm sorry? I said it's pretty yeah. ballsy at Marvel's part. I don't think they really did anything like that with any of their characters besides Loki. Um, at the end, maybe in Jessica Jones with um, Kilgrave, sort of. Wasn't he in well, season he two, like art. a manifest? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're definitely right. Yeah, I don't think anyone's got that except, you know, maybe Thanos. Because uh, Thanos, uh, Thanos well, it's more like Loki. You're right. But anyway, I, I agree with you. Vincent, I've been on his radar ever since I <clears> saw, um, oh, my God, I can't think of the, the film he was in when he <laughs> played that crazy soldier. It's a uh, full metal jacket. Vincent Minofrio's uh, acting chops are, yeah. are all over the place. Um, he's a great talent. Um, he's been in a lot of great, great films. Um, and he just crushes it as the Kingpin and seeing his rise and where he comes and that fight, you're right. Leo. Oh my God, that fight. And when they're screaming at each other, that is amazing. Like, ah, uh, I don't want to get into spoilers, but like, geez, you should have, if you, if you were a geek, you already finished the series probably long before now anyway, but, um, it's just phenomenal. It just oozes. His character, the, the the talent on that show, the writing, the direction that they have for it, the, it's definitely planned out. You can feel the love it's behind flawless. it, guys. Yeah, it is. It's pretty darn flawless. Um, I agree. But Tia, I know you're chomping at the bit. I know you love um, <laughs> Daredevil and, and all that stuff, too. So how do you feel with um, Wilskin, Wilskin Fisk? Yeah, there you go. Wilskin <laughs> Fisk, the kingpin at number eight. I'm going to say, first of all, that I believe that Vincent D'Onofrio is probably this gen- one of this generation's, like, best actors. He's just – look at his filmography. He is an absolute powerhouse. Um, and, you know, in season one, we got him. We did, you know, and then even when he appeared in season two for a little bit, it's like, wow, we really got to see, like, just how – he gets into every situation and is able to, like, take control of it. I won't lie. When they did um, – and, you know, I'll be honest here. I'm I'm not a comic book reader. I know that sounds crazy because I love all this, like, you know, the movies, the TV shows, and I know stuff from the comics, but that's from, like, research. I don't, like, actually have, like, comic books and read them, which I know it probably sounds like a major faux pas. I think you here, just gave anyway, Leo a seizure. I'm sorry. But, you know, I know that Kingpin's, like, whole thing is, like, you know, his look is the white jacket, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm going to the point that when they were doing the promos for Daredevil Season 3 and I saw Vincent D'Onofrio in that goddamn white jacket, I was like, holy shit. I, like, I freaked the fuck out. I was like, I don't know why. It just looked so good that we got him in a comic book, like, you know, look him there just seeing how he manipulated his way from episode one to all the way to the end where, as you said, him and Daredevil, they're like screaming at each other. And if you ask any of the actors, and this is not me trying to like, you know, plug myself or anything, but I just spoke with Jay Ali the other day um, who played Nadim. Uh, And I'm only saying because... 
because he was talking about Vincent D'Onofrio and how, you know, Vincent was really pushing him, you know, not like even intentionally just like acting with him, pushing him to like just be his best self. And you hear that with every actor who is with Vincent D'Onofrio. They say the same thing, that he's just that good, that they want to be just as good being in the same scene with him. So, yes, Leo, fantastic fix as Vincent D'Onofrio, as Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, in the Daredevil series. Holy shit. Oh, Tia, Guys, um, if you haven't, check out Born Again, sorry, uh, the Daredevil run. It's, it's loosely based off of that, and that is probably Daredevil's, like, best comic. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, it is, Vincent, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll stop. Sorry, Chris. Back to you, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good, brother. Um, but if you guys, if you haven't checked out that interview, go to um, gvnation.com. Um, scroll down. It's there. Go ahead and check out that interview. That's, it's, it's amazing. It's eye-opening. And what you said, Tia, and, uh, about raising the bar on set with these actors, um, it, it, that is you know, a, a story that's old as time when it comes to great cinema. Go, go check out all the movies that you guys like and the critics like and listen to the behind the scenes and the interviews and talk about the actors working with each other. That's some kind of movie magic shit right there. And I, I hate to sound corny, but I get excited when I watch shit like that because I've been on set and I've seen that shit and it's contagious and it's awesome. It makes you a better person. It makes you want to be a better person. Uh, a better actor, necessarily a better person, but it, it, that too. But it, it, it raises everyone's bar around you, and if you see that happening, that domino effect on set, it's it's awesome. It's like a, a filmmaker's dream to work with that kind of talent, and um, you know, you just got to give it up for the Marvel series, man. They're just they're they're crushing it in in certain spots. You know, it's it's. I think they they outstretch their their imagination a little bit with 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 um, how they wanted to proceed with their universe or whatever they're creating. But, Leo, I think you're you're dead on by putting um, Vincent D'Onofrio at number eight on this list. Sweet! Um, as far as <laughs> say, best uh, television show villain um, in the Marvel series by far. Like, by far. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. All right, Tia, so I guess we're coming back. Yeah, we're coming back to you for our number seven pick. So what do you got for us at number seven? Awesome. So um, I'm going to touch upon someone that we briefly mentioned maybe like five seconds ago. I'm going to pick Tom Hiddleston as Loki um, as my pick just because we can't talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe without talking about the villains who essentially started it all, not just that, but um, not just in that case, but similar to Heath Ledger, we always compare um, these villains to Loki. And kind of to give you guys a little background, because I thought this was super interesting, um, Tom Hiddleston himself actually auditioned for the role of Thor when he first came in, because I don't know if you guys know, he's a blonde in real life, you know, he bulked up a little for his uh, audition because he was like, oh, I'll be Thor. And when he got there, they're like, you know what, we're really looking at this other guy who would later go on to be Chris Hemsworth as Thor, but why don't you read for the part of Loki? And since then, I mean, 
really, if we look, and, you know, I kind of took a hard look back at the first Avengers movie, right? I, I turned it on, and I was like, what made this movie so likable, you know, when it first came out? And it really is Loki's performance, um, you know, in the in the Thor movies, other than Thor Ragnarok, which I love, but to me, the most interesting character in the first two Thor movies was Loki. His presence, um, the fact that he really brought this, like, tangible uh, personality to the screen in the first Thor when he discovers that he is not an Asgardian, that his, you know, father Odin lied to him, the emotions there, and yes, he is a little bit of a mischievous bastard because of what he does to Thor, but you really just the way that he brings this, like, mischievousness to him and how he seems to always be able to manipulate the situation in his favor just really is a fantastic um, quality. And I think that Tom Hiddleston portrays him beautifully and the fact that, you know, we got this really tragic end to him in uh, Infinity War. And I think that was just, you know, the reason why we kept on with Tom Hiddleston is because of the actor himself. Um, not to throw another little, like, fun fact in there, but when Loki was killed in the Dark World, that was supposed to be the end of Loki. But because it was uh, so negative with, you know, critics and shit is why they went back in and filmed that, no, he's not really dead, he's alive, and that was all a trick, is because they just didn't want to get rid of Tom Hiddleston as Loki. So that is my number seven pick. Um, once again, see a great pick, hard pressed to disagree with you on this one. Um, I didn't know that about him coming, um, in auditioning for Thor. Um, that's happened a few times in, in, in film and cinema where, um, you come in for one role, like Killian Murphy came in to play Bruce Wayne and even screen tested, but then they offered him the part of Scarecrow. Um, so that, that kind of stuff happens. I, I didn't know that, but yeah, he's a very popular character. He's getting his own... Um, series on their Disney streaming service. Um, That's right. A Loki, a Loki series. Because um, everything you said is, is spot on. He he he's a great actor. Uh, he brings a lot to the character. Um, they know how to write him, and the fans love him. Uh, like I said, hard pressed to 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 disagree. And uh, man, I had something to say, but I got off topic in my head a little bit, so <laughs> I can't remember it. But but um, yeah. I love that pick. Um, Leo, how do you feel about Tom Hiddleston as Loki at our number seven pick? Oh, man. So when uh, after when the first Thor movie came out, I really, really, really liked it um, when it first came out. Looking back now, it's good, but it's not as great, not nearly as great as Ragnarok. Um, and after I seen that, one of my buddies um, – Shout out to you, Axel. Thanks, buddy. Uh, let me borrow a stack of um, of Thor comics, Mighty Thor comics. And so I read through that stack of them, and I just saw that this character that Tom Hiddleston plays in the movie is almost exactly like the comic book version of Loki, always popping up in random places, always causing mischief wherever he goes, um, always just kind of fucking with Thor and always trying to either kill him or throw him off course, like, what a great, great adaption of the character they have in the MCU. And not to mention, Tom Hiddleston is just, like, 
so convincingly evil, especially in that first Avengers. Like he's ready to just destroy his brother and and his entire team um, for the grace, good graces of Thanos. Like he's just a trickster, and I I love it. Um, and I think nobody but Tom Hiddleston could play a role like that. And I feel so bad about that second movie. Like I just that second <laughs> Thor movie was terrible. Oh, terrible. 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 Like, this, is, this is why you don't move Tom Hiddleston to the back. Um, you yeah. put him as a, more of a main character in the plot because that was one mistake they made in that movie was by bringing in these dark elves so Loki didn't have as huge of a presence. Big mistake. Got to keep him around. And even when he died in um, in Infinity War, like I found myself upset. I'm like, no, not not Loki. Like He's the villain that started it all. And that's another another reason why he's got like such a soft spot in all our hearts. The villain that started it all, the Avengers, they came together to fight Loki. And um, what's the name of those creatures, guys? That's slipping my mind. The Chitari. Um, yeah, the Chitari. Yep. Thank you. Yep. He uh he that that was their first threat as a team together. So I think he also has a soft spot in our hearts because. Hell, he he brought the Avengers together. So, yeah, fabulous pick. Uh, Really enjoy his character, and I enjoy how he is as an actor. I wish that King Kong movie didn't make him such a a weird character because I thought he had potential in that as well. But that's a a discussion for another day. I like Kong Skull Island. I I did too, but I just did. I can see where Leo is coming with that. You know, I think that, what, and as you said, it's a discussion for another time when they were, like, you know, previewing the movie, I thought that we were going to get a much different character than we ended up getting. But um, you know, with, the, with the Avengers, you know, the one thing that always kind of bothered me as we go through all these years of Marvel movies, and I just want to throw this in really quick, and this is from me just, you know, seeing an online presence and talking to people, is that... When we first see Loki in uh, the first Avengers, he looks fucked up. I mean, you know, he has circles under his eyes. He looks stressed out. Like, you know, and that was really never touched upon. I think us as the fans have drawn our own conclusions that obviously, like, he was fucked with under Thanos and the Chitauri, and that's why, like, you know, he's almost so desperate to get what he needs for Thanos because he knows that Thanos is going to be pissed at him if he doesn't. But it was never really like, touched upon, like, why did Loki go from looking very fresh-faced in the first Thor to looking like he had just been abused for a thousand years in the first Avengers? And you know I think it I'm has saying? a lot to do with what you were saying. Um, I'm sure once he joined forces with Thanos, he probably went through a lot. Um, and Thanos probably had him doing a lot. I don't think it was just go to Earth, you know, and get the Infinity Stone. Like, no, also this, 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 and this. He could have put him through years of stress. Um, that first Thor, he was in Asgard with Thor, so he looked, you know, like royalty. Yeah, so that was just the one thing I was like, we've never touched upon that, but and maybe we will in the series on the Disney streaming site. Who knows? You, you guys are touching on a, a great part of, like, the character, like what motivates him. And I think when we first meet him, he's just a kind of a, you know, a dick, 
but he doesn't mean any harm. He's just, you know, he thinks he's Asgardian royalty and he's just fucking around. And then he comes to find out that, you know, he's, a, for all intents and purposes, adopted. And it just shatters his whole mindset and his whole world, so to speak. And, you know, you can do, you know, one of three things with that information. And, you know, speaking from, you know, I found out I was adopted when I was 11. I chose not to be angry about it. Um, some people choose to be pissed off about it and it really, it gets to them and they make bad choices and bad decisions. And I think that at the core, you know, Loki doesn't really want to kill Thor, you know, and he was sad when Odin died and it's like, you hate him, but you like him. And when his character arcs over the film, um, over their films, uh, it shows you, um, all different sides of Loki. Um, but you know, understanding where his motivation comes from for his anger and being mad and, to your bones sometimes and not knowing what to do with that anger and lash out on the people that you care about and um, having to reconstruct another world because the one that you thought you were living in is no longer there. It fucks with your head. And if you don't handle it well, you become Loki, you know, because he well, already I had those character that... traits of being a jerk. So it just enhanced them. So I can just relate to the character. They're doing great jobs with the writing and, and Tom takes, you know, great care with, with the character as well. Go ahead, Tia. I'm sorry. Um, I just was saying, you know, I don't even sometimes think that it's really just having found out he was adopted. I think it was that the fact that, you know, Odin was pretty much saying, like, oh, yeah, I took you as, like, almost a peace treaty type thing because you're a child of the race that we're at war with. And as uh, Loki says at some point, I'm the monster that mothers tell their children to hide away at night, you know. And I think that the fact that Loki has always felt different because of the way he looks and yada, 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 and it's like, you know, his life probably would have been a lot better if someone just told him, like, hey, this is why you feel so different, and maybe that's, like, you know, that, that's my whole thing with it. Oh, yeah, you know? but that, you're right. That's definitely part of it as well. You're you're absolutely right. In- yeah, so interesting I'm, character. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> it's a good pick. I like it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> Real quickly, guys, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are going over our top 10 picks for comic book film casting. Uh, We've also opened the doors for the Marvel Netflix series to join us as well because we feel like there's a lot of great talent and great characters in those shows as well that may not get as much praise as some of these films. But let's recap this real quick, guys. At number 10, we have Heath Ledger's Joker. At number 9, we have Michael Keaton's Batman 89. Number eight, we have Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin Daredevil series. And number seven, we just finished talking about with Tom Hiddleston as Loki in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I guess it's at me for number six pick. And my number six pick is um, probably what everyone thought of as this character until 2013, which is Christopher Reeves' Superman. Um, I definitely... uh, Theo, he deserves to be on this list um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, for uh, um, I'll start from like I, my picks, kind of guys come from a production side because I have a when you for me when you when you the love in the film is great, but when you find out uh, the processes to get there and everything and the, and the cultural significance that comes you know after all those things and, and the iconicness of it. Um, you really appreciate the performances that you saw in the film that you loved anyway. So this is definitely one of those 
Um, yeah, you can say what you want about it being corny, but it is a product of its own time, but it also revolutionized um, superhero films, the genre, um, and, you know, moving forward with optical effects and all that stuff, it, it really did change the game in, in more ways than one, not just bringing a comic book character to life. Christopher Reeves crushes it as Superman. He is Superman, and, and like I said when I started, he, you know, he was Superman, um, for a lot of people for a very, very long time. So you can't ignore that. And um, the love and dedication that he brought to the character uh, on screen and off screen was really cool. And originally Christopher Reeves was offered the role and he confided in his friend um, uh, Robin Williams, who actually encouraged him to take on, on, that, on that role. Um, so um, if you didn't know that, that's kind of cool. Yes, they were very good friends. Um, they both unfortunately passed away way too young. Uh, so for me as a kid, that was Superman, uh, and I loved it. I thought he, he, he portrayed the character pretty comic book accurate, um, depending on who was writing it and the era they were in. Um, but you, you just, it, like, like I said, from a production side and changing the game with the optical effects and, you know, their tagline in the 70s was, you're going to believe a man can fly. And it was mind-blowing, I guess, kind of like Star Wars was with their special effects at the time. It, it changed the game. And I really do think that um, because of all that, um, Christopher Reeves' Superman deserves to be on this list. It could be higher. you know, It could be lower depending on your flavor of Superman. But for a very long time, he was that iconic. He was Superman. He was Superman. When you say Christopher Reeves, you say Superman. You know, Henry Cavill, unfortunately, I don't think he has that. I'm not saying a Superman was bad, but I just think um, there's just certain characters and certain actors who portray those characters that will always be remembered for those characters. And some will say that's a crutch, but film fans and lovers like me, uh, that's their iconic roles. And I think he deserves to be on this list. Um, Leo, what do you think about Christopher Reeve's Superman at number six? Oh man, I'm glad he made it on the list. Um, yes, uh, that was the first Superman movie I saw was actually Superman Two, um, and I was like, "Holy crap, Superman is going up against General Zod!" And Lex Luthor was crazy oh, yeah. around. So just such a good movie. Um, again, like you said, somebody who established Superman for you. I mean, the very few Superman comics I did read as a child like really influenced kind of how I saw Superman for a long time, which was that kind of, you know, big blue Boy Scout, the the good guy. Um, and that and Christopher Reeve really put that into Superman. And that was only, that was when I saw, initially saw Man of Steel, that was like part of my disappointment was because I am used to that Superman, you know, who's just a do-good-to-do-good type of guy. And I didn't see that in Cavill that much. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, no complaints, man. I, I really love the Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, and he really established that character for me because I hadn't read, I haven't read that many Superman comics until very recently, actually. So it'll be fun to explore the character. But I mean, like for you, he just, he established that character for me and that, that kind of put a mold on that character um, for me and really solidified it from his performance. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think I think a lot of people have that that same mindset, which would which kind of made Man of Steel a little too hard to swallow for a few. 
Um, and at I don't want to, you know, sound negative. Yeah, at first. But a lot of people, I don't mean sound negative, but maybe a, lo- a lot of people are, are, are closed-minded, so to speak. And I'm not necessarily that closed-minded. So when it came at me, when I watched the film, I, I was able to accept what Zack Snyder was trying to do. I wasn't trying hey, to compare Hey, call me closed-minded. Yikes. I don't mean it in a negative way, you know, because I can be closed-minded in certain situations, <laughs> just like everybody else. But um, I didn't, I didn't really hold it up. So when it, I, I don't know why, but I just, I love, I love the tone. I, I like that. I love that film for multiple reasons. But anyway, I think that's what made it so hard because you were coming behind Christopher Reeves and his movies. Um, and yeah, Superman Two is is one of my favorites. I constantly go to YouTube and rewatch um, the fight scene. Uh, with Superman, it's just um, as much as I love Batman, and I really, really do. Um, I was talking to Leo earlier, like my yin and yang, and you, you're laughing your butt off, but I really think like Batman and Superman really complement each other for me personally. So I kind of have a yeah. little bit of them. I really like the two. But Tia, go ahead and I'm um, sorry, come back at us. Uh, how do you feel about the pick at number six? Oh, I think it's a great pick, uh, Chris. I think if we look at all the other Supermans that we've had since um, Christopher Reeves, uh, Brandon Ruff, Ruff, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, Um, but Brandon. (laughs) uh, Brandon. (laughs) That. I'll let you guys do that. Uh, But Brandon, Henry Cavill, even um, uh, the CW version, uh, which I know Chris is such a huge fan of. Uh, You, you, but, that actor who plays Superman was on Seventh Heaven, and I just I can't get over the fact that Superman, you know, the guy from Seventh Heaven is Superman. But whatever, I know Seventh Heaven is probably a show most people have not even thought about since 1999. I understand that, but I I had to watch that or I couldn't watch Buffy. It's not funny. Like my sister made me. I had to watch that in order to watch Buffy. It, it, I, I, I'm not going to explain the dynamics of my household as a child, but it was just what I had to do, okay? Anyway, Tia, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was simply saying, you know, when you look at all these other actors, the one thing that we always kind of revert back to is, are they emulating Christopher Reeves? We don't even ask ourselves, are they looking like the comic book version accurate of Superman? We're like, well, do they look like Christopher Reeves? Because we love Christopher Reeves so much as Superman that we cannot stand the idea of our Superman not looking like him or not being him. As you said, um, you know, I think that Brandon visually uh, looked like Christopher Reeves and kind of emulated that whole good guy uh, persona. I personally, and I have many critiques of the DCEU, but um, I actually like Henry Cavill as Superman, but as you said, it was very uh, stark to see, you know, him kill someone in Man of Steel because that's not what we're used to when it comes to Superman. Um, so absolutely, I would say that how could you not give praise to the man who started essentially the superhero genre on screen, who gave, you know, life to the most iconic superhero that probably everyone all over the world knows. So, yeah, great pick, Chris. Uh, he is the he is the most popular superhero on the planet, 
uh, I think it's Jesus and then Superman, um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, or Jesus or what or whatever oh, God, right, you know, right. it's like, it's, it's like that. And then like Leo, remember our conversation when you told me when Superman threw that dude off the window because he found out that he, he was Clark Kent and he just went, bah! one panel just shows him throwing him out the window. Like, yeah, that's the end of that. Nobody knows who I am. I'm Superman. So it's, it's, it's funny to see how people like think Superman doesn't kill. And I don't know why people can't understand why you have to kill General Zod in that situation because how would, how else are you supposed to do it? Like, I mean, we used to keep him alive. How is that going to work? Um, and I think, I think in order of what Zach was trying to do with him breaking his neck was like, okay, maybe this is like a point where he goes, I never want to ever have to kill somebody again. I don't ever want to put myself in a position where I have to do what I did. And he's also killing the last known member of his race. So that, that was so impactful. Everyone was thinking, oh, Superman killed somebody. No, I'm thinking about why he had to do it. And that, oh, my God, you know, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or whatever argument you want to make. It's just so impactful. And when he screams at the end of that, like that, un, you know, that ungodly frustration and, and what the hell did I just do, what the hell just happened, kind of a, a – primal scream he gives was just bone chilling. It still is. When I talked about it right now, I kind of got chills up my spine. Uh, you know, you make fun of me if you want to, but I, I totally got that, um, that part of Man of Steel. But you're right. Everything, you know, everyone was kind of putting it up against Christopher Reeves' Superman. And I don't think that's very fair for anybody who plays the role and, and, and for um, Christopher Reeves personally. But Leo, I'll throw it back to you. Any last thoughts on, on number six pick? Um, yeah, I just want to say that he really, that, those first two Superman movies, that Superman really established and embodied, like, and truth and freedom for me. Like, that, that Superman movie was, those movies were just, like, you know, a hero at his best, if you will. And I really think they're worth going back and watching. If you haven't watched them recently, they're really good. Yeah, they, they made you believe that, you know, Good, and not say that good isn't out there, but somebody just doing the right thing and can't be compromised in it. You just, you just yeah, respect exactly. them. You kind of love that, and you want to, and you know, you. I think everybody tries to do good. Like I really do. I think most people aren't aren't evil. They don't wake up and go, "I'm going to do shit today." They're not Lex fucking Luther. I think most people want to want to do good. It's just life, you know. It's just it has a way of um, changing your course, and if you're not strong enough. Um, not just necessarily physically, but if you're not mentally strong enough, and that's something about Superman. He just has this moral code. He doesn't, you know, whoever's writing him, he has whatever code, but you're right. You kind of aspire to kind of want to be like him, as corny as that sounds. Exactly, exactly. And, and dude, like, that could have been much higher. I'm not even going to lie, bro. Like, that could have been, like, top three, top five at least. No, it's it's in my top five, but, like, you know, it's a sliding scale with our with our top 10. So you can take everything with a grain of salt, so to speak, and where it's placed. I think it's just more important that we're fans of the content and they just make the list like Tia was saying earlier. Very true. But yeah, Leo, but yeah, like you said, man, you have the number five pick, my friend. So uh, what do you got for us there? Um, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Um, talk about a character that just, it, or actor that just is that character. Like that's, that's who he is. He is Iron Man. Like, Robert Downey Jr. has established a character that is just like him, 
but in, in this Superman fictional world. Um, and he made it work. Uh, he, Iron Man is responsible for starting the entire MCU. Um, and this is all on Robert Downey Jr.'s back. That first movie was hilarious. And I think when we sometimes think of like our top five or top ten um, Marvel movies, we, we leave it out, but it's almost unintentional because you almost kind of kind of forget about it because he's been in so many of them besides his own series that it's like, all right, this character is, has come so far. I mean, it's it's a character that has had an arc throughout these entire movies. He's one of the two main, I would say, right next to Chris Evans, uh, that you kind of just kind of put Iron Man 1 at the back of your mind. But I encourage everybody to go back and rewatch that first Iron Man sometime soon. It's really good. Um, it's, it's one of the best ones, I would say top five in the MCU. Uh, and it, again, he just got everything started. He, you know, even throughout all his errors in life, if you will, uh, he really just came back with this one, came strong. And it was a good, it's, it's a great first movie. The second two weren't quite as strong, but he was good in them. It wasn't him. So, I just I think he established this universe and he definitely deserves a place on this list. Um and I'm gonna put RDJ at number five. Uh Leo, yeah, um he's on my top five um personally myself, and you're right. A lot of people intentionally forget about um Iron Man, the original, the you know, the spark that set off the MCU, but um, you know, with like a recurring thing, Leo, with like most of our picks in in in, especially in the beginning of of, of the show, um, RDJ was a wild card, and um, the director, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, um, but he believed in him, you know, and maybe every, not necessarily everybody did, and, like, you know, bringing up his background and his, like, road to redemption and, like, his second chance kind of a thing. I think Robert Downey Jr. brought John something Favreau. incredible. Yeah, jo- uh, is it John Favreau? Yeah, John Favreau, right? Am I saying that right? John yeah. Favreau. Anyway, yeah, 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 anyway. Okay, I looked it up while I, uh, I paused. My apologies. But you got to admire what what he saw in him and um, the way they wrote that character. It's almost perfect um, for Robert Downey Jr.'s own personality a little bit to come in there. So I think um, you have to really appreciate that. And he's he's just crushing it. Um, in all the Marvel movies that he's in, that character, you know, he's, like I said, with Superman and, like, the, you know, he is Iron Man. You know, when you think about it, who else is Iron Man? And, yes, there really hasn't been anybody on the big screen or small that, like, can even compare to an Iron Man. And we only have this one. But, I mean, seriously, um, who else could even attempt to play the character? So, um, I think, yeah, I agree with your pick. Tia, how do you feel about number five, um, Iron uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? Oh, there's no arguing against that. Um, I actually did recently rewatch the first Iron Man, and it still held up uh, even, you know, after all of the other Marvel movies. It still held up. It was still great. Um, Robert Downey Jr. is just amazing in the little touches that he puts into his character, Um, you know, and John Favreau coming in and really kind of writing more of a comedic uh, spin to the character. And, of course, that works perfectly with Robert Downey Jr. I mean, he just, with everything, his timing was great, is still great. Um, 
it's hard to think that there's going to be a Marvel uh, universe without Iron Man. Uh, in the writer's room, actually, recently, one of uh, my fellow writers shared an article, I forget from what site now, and literally the title was, why Iron Man is the worst superhero ever. And I really want to, like, smack whoever wrote that article because how you think that Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, Iron Man is a bad character, I, I don't understand that. I mean, from what – because it, it could have been easy for Robert Downey Jr. to just play his character as a narcissistic uh, billionaire, but there's so many ticks to um, – to Tony Stark that I don't even think we realize. Um, if you kind of notice from the Avengers on, he has had a, like, nervous disorder. He gets PTSD that he shows throughout all of the movies that he does afterwards. He's a really insecure guy. For someone who's a billionaire who, you know, has women throwing themselves at him, he is an incredibly insecure human being. And the way that he latched himself onto Spider-Man, as much as he doesn't want to admit it at some times, you know, prior to Infinity War, but the way that he latched himself on and kind of took Peter Parker in as a father-son relationship, I think really just shows, like, all this to the character. It shows so much from, you know, RDJ himself. I cannot, like, he, he is fantastic. He is Iron Man. It, like, I can compare RDJ to Iron Man to so many other superheroes and their actors, but I won't just because I'm sure some of them are going to be on this list. <laughs> and I don't want to jump the gun, but, you know, he, he's Iron Man. I love it, man. That's such a great pick. Yeah, I totally agree with um with the pick and everything you just said. Uh he he's setting the you know, a tone and a precedent. And you're right, he he has. He's a broken guy. He has layers. So and I think you you're right, um Iron Man does um stand up and I go back to that film quite often actually. I just I love it. It's a fun it's a fun film, it's a fun ride. And those who don't know, I was late coming into the MCU. I didn't Wow. Someone's sirens going off. Anyway, oh, I'm um, sorry. <laughs> That's me. Good. That's in the back of me. Uh, <laughs> but I was late to get into the to the Marvel movies because I was a big Nolan. I want my characters grounded in reality kind of guy back in you know the Ooh. 2010 and on. So when I came and I and I watched it for the first time, I was like, man, maybe I was wrong. And this was one of those films. I was like, I'll I'll, get, I'll give it a try. And you know, I'm glad I did because if I didn't, I don't think Infinity War would have had the impact it did on me. Uh, so yeah, I I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more, guys. I think Robert Downey Jr. at number five, the Iron Man. You know, give or take, you know, his position on the list, but he should definitely be on a top ten list. Uh, wouldn't you agree, Leo? Of course, he belongs on the list, bro. Maybe even a notch higher. Right, and, and I was can just we thinking like that we got. Say, and can we also Go say ahead. that the freaking like music in every Iron Man movie is the best? I mean, the fact that they have ACDC pretty much as their like personal freaking, uh, yeah. you know, it's just amazing. It's so good. I just wanted to throw that in there really quick too. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely has has one of the best soundtracks in the MCU. Uh, Ragnarok was pretty good. That soundtrack kicks it. Kicks yeah, pretty, 
kicks ass. I listen to that constantly. But you're right. It does set the tone in the character. John, who would have known? Because, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but John Favreau was, like, that fat, chubby actor for a while. And, you know, in those um, What's-His-Faces movies. You know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, knew he was an actor or not, but he was in, like, I don't these like low budget Miramax movies he was in, but I didn't know that he had any kind of directorial talent. Uh, I can't for the life of me think of any of those movies, but um, they're cult classics for most people. Um, and then he comes out and it's like, it's like when I when I found out Danny McBride was attached to the Halloween 2008, I was like, what? Are you kidding me? What the hell? And then I saw the film and I'm like, damn, there's there's just like so many sides to these talented people that you know. Uh, I'm kind of, it's kind of exciting to see them get to see, a, you get to see a different side of some talented people, but um, didn't want to get too far off track there. But Wait, I'm trying another to great what pick. movies you're talking about, bro. Um, just go check, just uh, Google it, Google his uh, like IMDb real quick. Yeah, Swingers is one of them. Uh, there's another one. Um, he's in those movies with that tall, uh, what's his name? I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head. Vince something. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Yeah, he's in a couple of Vince Vaughn yeah. movies, in the, like in the nineties or oh, or so. And yeah. you know, he plays this character, this certain type of guy. And he's great. He's talented. Don't get me wrong. And um, he's also in that sh- um, uh, that uh, movie Chef um, that Cam he had, you know directed yeah, and wrote that as well. Well, Yeah, I remember these. I remember these. Um. Definitely check him out, but him coming as a director, I did, you know, it just kind of threw me off guard. But you know, he's talented, um, and we'll see what he's going to do with um, the Mandalorian. That should be kind of interesting over there on the yeah. DC, uh, DC on the uh, Disney streaming service. Uh, yeah, but uh, let's uh, recap, guys. If you're just joining us, we're going over our top ten comic book movie castings. Um, at number ten, we have. Keith Ledger's Joker. At number nine, we have Michael Keaton's Batman 89. Number eight, we have Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, Daredevil. Number seven is Tom Hiddleston, Loki in the MCU. Number six, Christopher Reeve's Superman. Uh, I guess you'd say 70s and 80s Superman. Uh, Number five, we have Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And we're going to pass it back over to Tia for her number four pick for our list. Tia, what do you got for us? Well, since we are including the uh, Marvel Netflix people, of course, you know that I have to put on the list John Bernthal as Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher. Um, you know, Who's let's that? Do that? I've let's never heard of that. that <laughs> yeah, it's just such a no-name actor, honestly. Right. That's a very obscure um, pick. I've never heard you discuss this guy before. No, I'm just I know, you would never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, man, like, what else can we say about John Bernthal that we haven't said a million times before? His, uh, as I look back, because Daredevil season three was fantastic, right? And you know, a lot of people put Daredevil season two kind of at the bottom of the list, and I always thought, how did they do that? Daredevil season two was amazing, but as I go back and watch it, I realize the only reason why I thought it was amazing was because of John Bernthal's Punisher. Um, he's just one of those actors that he is also a powerhouse. Um, we kind of tease a little that 
his characters, first of all, always die, and he always has the five-minute cameos in movies, but he always makes the most out of those, like, five-minute cameos. And within the first episode of the uh, of Daredevil, we have him come in, and he essentially says one one word, and all he's doing is walking around shooting at people, but it still is, like, this massive presence. And the way that he portrayed Frank Castle, because if you look back, when we first see him in the first few episodes of Daredevil Season 2, he is this, you think he's this emotionless, like, unfeeling person, because he's sitting there shooting up a hospital, he's butchering people, he pretty much beat a uh, store owner with a baseball bat who, you know, was selling kitty porn, so, I mean, who cares, but... um, we get this like very stoic person to then see how he's transforming to justify what he does to the tragedy that bestowed his family. And then from that to getting a full on Punisher series to see him interacting with friends, to see his own moral compass and then him to really bring in uh, in the Punisher series where He's waking up with nightmares. He really is just feeling guilty over what happened with his family. Um, it's just a fantastic performance. Like the little ticks that he makes sure that he pays attention to as he's playing Frank Castle. If you notice, his finger twitches every once in a while. Um, just everything that he does to be Frank Castle. There's like no better person to play that character, you know? I mean, and maybe it's not who people thought of at first because we have someone like Dolph Lundgren who has played him in the past who, what, is like six foot five, and John Berthel, I think, is only about 5'10", so... But even in that one scene where he's standing up against Vincent D'Onofrio, who I think is like six foot four, six foot five, he looks, John Burko looks massive, even though he's clearly shorter than Vincent D'Onofrio. And it's just, it's the way that he carries himself as Frank Castle. I'm so fucking excited for the second season of The Punisher. And I really hope if we get a fourth season of Daredevil that we just get him back in, even if it's like for one episode, because, man, just I could keep going on and on, on. Like, I have nothing bad to say about John Bernthal's performance as The Punisher. I think he embodies that character and has brought a different level to that character other than just, you know, the killing machine who wears the skull. He's a person, he has a background, he has all this other shit that just goes into him. He's a good friend, he cares about people, the way that he is so protective of Karen, the way he's so protective of Curtis, um, you know, he, the way he loved his family and Billy Russo before he's turned into an asshole. So anyway, I'm going to keep going on and on if no one stops me. So that's my pick is Sean Pernsall as the publisher in the Netflix Marvel series. Uh, yes, yeah, another uh, great uh, pick. I, you know, you brought on a, a really good point is his layers, uh, Frank Castle's layers. I think the writers are doing a great job with, uh, with you know, giving his, his – tragic backstory and you know like you said about his twitches little mannerisms but the characters got layers and he, John does a great job of bringing those to life and um, 
you know, you get a, a wider range of emotions from him when he's acting. He's very physical as an actor, but he's also got, like, presence with his eyes and his mannerisms. Um, and it's it's really cool because um, um, it's funny you mentioned it. Along, like, in 2002, there was a casting um, for an HBO Project Greenlight series uh, where, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but Ben Affleck and Matt Damon had a contest for, you know, amateur filmmakers and you submit a script and you're a, you're a director and you win, a con- you win the contest. They give you, uh, I think it was like $100,000 or something like that to make your movie and they give you, um, they hook you up with Miramax and, you know, it's, it's a, and then it's like a documented series on HBO. You can watch the episodes. But John Berthall, at a, as a young man, came in in the auditioning room for that when he was unknown and he was auditioning for a character in this horror film that was one of the contest winners. And you, it's funny because I found this out a couple of years ago, and I'm like, hey, that's Shane from The Walking Dead. And now it's like, no, that's Frank Castle. You know, not <laughs> Shane. <laughs> like, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's been around for a long time. So um, seeing him you know, get, get credit, and I, I personally thought they should have cast him in, in the series back in 2002, I think it was, it, during the show when I was watching. I'm like, this guy's cool. He had really long hair and it was really wavy and curly. He was, um, it was really cool to see him. But I, I really like the fact that he's, you know, you get to see his talents on display with The Walking Dead and as Frank Castle. So, uh, as a filmmaker, uh, I'm a big fan of him. Um, he brings a great intensity to um, everything he does. He gives it his all, and he's a really good guy. Um, offset, um, I don't know him personally, but I hear I hear good things. Um, I listen to interviews with him. I think he's genuine and he's he's sincere. Um, but he plays these really awesome characters and they're intense, you know, to get in, to get his physical body. It's just, you know, you have to get, admire somebody like that, you know, who's willing to, um, go the extra mile, but, uh, I'll go, I can go on, I guess too, Tia, uh, about John, <laughs> but I'll throw it over to, to Leo. How do you feel about, um, uh, John Bernthal, uh, as Frank Castle at number four? Um, I was going to vote him in and I was like, I'll, I'll save him for Tia. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Everyone <phenomenal>. knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know. know. We're all there. Like, uh, we know. Cause I was like going to vote him in as number five. And then I'm like, well, I'll let Tia put him on the list. <laughs> uh, but wow. Um, fantastic character. I mean, he just, and that's the thing is he can play both sides of the fence. Like you were saying Tia that we do see his backstory. We do get to see that this character actually has um, a reason for all the killing. And he is, they, they humanize him a lot because in that first Punisher film, he's just killing off the mafia, man. I mean, that that's it. Um, and that, by the way, guys, I don't know how y'all feel about that film, but that film was terrible. Which um, <laughs> revolted. It, it was just bad. But, um, this this version of the Punisher really does humanize him and bring bring some reasons to light of why the character is actually doing all this killing. Because we do see him in Daredevil's season two as just that guy. He's just tearing people down. And once we finally get a little backstory on him, you, you, almost, you, you start to feel bad for the guy. I mean, you almost kind of see why he's doing it all. Uh, having your uh, family just killed like that, it just it sucks. But... I really love how he plays as Punisher, and Chris, you're right. I totally thought the same thing at first when I seen him. I was like, "Oh, that, look, it's Shane from The Walking Dead." Holy shit! And then now I'm like, "No, that's that's Frank Castle. That's 
that's Mr. Uh, Punisher. And it's just awesome to see him, like, gun down so many guys all the time. I mean, let's be real, guys. Before this show came along, you, you really didn't get a lot of that. It was just like every here and there where you would get just some bloody, battered gunfights and shows, but they really stepped it up. This guy is just phenomenal. It, it's great watching his performance as the Punisher, and I can't wait for season two to come. So, yes, he belongs on this list. Yeah. Definitely, I could not, I could not agree more. Guy, you know, guys, I was looking at my list and I was looking at, okay, we got two picks left. Um, two? Uh, I thought that was four. I think we have three. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my list. I jump ahead. Like so, like I have my <laughs> pick down. I'm looking. Okay, basically, what I'm trying to say is, guys, there's so many more act, talented actors we can put on this list. And I know we're going to be leaving some people out. So, oh, um, yeah. so I, I think, you know, you know, there's could definitely be an honorable mention, like quick fire by the end of this. Uh, so you're right. That was number four, John Bernthal as Frank Castle. I think we all agree that he's just, he's just crushing it. Um, and I think that's coming to me at number three, if I'm correct, um, following, you know, keeping score, so to speak. Uh, and I'm really yep. torn, guys. Um, um, because I'm not going to get another chance to talk about it, but I have like five people I can put here, but I'm going to just do it just, just because, um, of the, of the nostalgia factor, uh, as much as I love Christian Bale, you guys can bring him up if you want to on your picks, but I'm going to say, oh, here's the, here we go. Wesley Snipes as Blade. I think he's another one of those iconic Characters were like Robert Downey Jr., Christopher Reeve. You think of the character, you think of the actor. And like we said, like you can say that's a negative, you know, or it could be a positive, um, however, however you look at it, but it's iconic. And I think that when Blade came out, it was at a time where, you know, um, Batman and Robin, <laughs> you know, just hit the, hit the big screen, so to speak, not too long before, and it was really campy and colorful and comic book movies weren't, super dark or taken uh, to another level, so to speak. Um, and it was really kind of, um, Mar- I would say, you know, it's one of Marvel's really first um, uh, entries into the, into the superhero genre, keeping the tone dark. Um, a lot of people would, if you go back and watch that, Marvel's name's on it, but it, it, it really does look like a Zack Snyder universe type of uh feel to it but I really the, going back to the character of Blade I think Wesley Snipes just just kills it he is he is Blade and you know yes there's not a lot of talking but you got to give the production side a, a look when you when you think about Blade he did he did all of his own stunts for the most part it was all the actor um he really enjoyed playing the role I think he looked the part um it was just uh, I remember seeing it as a kid and I was just amazed as badass and you know I really I loved it, and it, it, the intensity of the character, um, the story was okay, and you can say what you want about the big CGI blood fight scene at the end, but I really thought that um, it just came at a really good time. The Matrix was coming out, too. It was a really cool time for movies, and a lot of experimental, I use quotation marks, were coming out, but that character is just as iconic, and say what you want about the third installment of Blade. He, that was not, that was not even, I don't know, that was really bad, but 
um, for me, you, th- you know, we're thinking about good casting decisions, you know, so I have to put that in there as that's just a really good casting call. You, you think of Blade, you think of Wesley Snipes. I definitely deserve, I definitely deserve, he definitely deserves to be on this list. But, you know, this high, probably not. I could I could have brought Blade up a little sooner, but I really do think, like I said, you think about Christopher Reeves, you think Superman, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, I think he's one of those guys when you say Blade, you think Wesley Snipes. So I'm going to put him on the list. Um, Tia, how do you feel about Wesley Snipes as Blade at number number three, I think, yeah? All right, so you guys are going to, like, really kill me right now, but I've actually never watched the film. Um, so I do apologize about that. I know that should go on my list. Um, what I'm going to say, though, is that, um, you know, I don't think that Blade gets, at least from what I hear, I don't think it gets the recognition it deserves. Um, it's a dark film, right, for Marvel that really kind of, like, stood out. And when we talk about, you know, we throw in um, uh, Deadpool and, like, Logan and we praise it as being, like, you know, the first R-rated Marvel films, and people always point out, hey, what about Blade, you know? We had Blade, which was violent but dark. As you said, it came out around the Matrix time, and we have an actor of color who is the lead, which, you know, we didn't really see back then, you know, and that, why that isn't talked about more so and why that isn't praised more so, I'm not sure. Um, and Wesley Snipes really kind of, we don't really see him anymore. And I think that really, honestly, like his blade should stand to up to other films. And as you said, Wesley Snipes is blade. That he, That's a memorable casting for everyone. And even now with the whole, like, Iron Fist and Luke Cage cancellation, people are like, well, if Netflix really does stick with, um, you know, Marvel, should they make another series? And one of the series people are kind of, you know, floating around is that they should do a Blade series. And I think that the reason why Blade is still so popular to people is because of Wesley Snipes. So that's what I'm going to say from the standpoint of someone who has not seen the film. Oh, you got to get on that if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, and... I think that, that here's the funny thing is Wesley Snipes was trying to get a Black Panther movie in, into production, into development before Blade. I, I heard um, that. Yeah. And, yeah, and it fell through. I would have loved to have seen that. Not that I didn't think Chaz, Chadwick Boseman did great um, as Black Panther, because he did. Um, but I would have loved to have seen that a late 90s Black Panther with Wesley Snipes. That would have been, what kind of Wakanda would that have been? Oh, that would have been man. epic. Um, so... Right, I know all these speculatory movies. I wish there was like a way to like go back, find and a way to make go movies. like really make these movies. Right, exactly. I just sometimes I wish it, if I had infinite budgets, I would go back and make like I would go back and first make Justice League Mortal. Oh my God, that script was cool, and I think what they were trying to do with that um, in 2006 was pretty neat. Um, I think they need to go back and make that movie. But, uh, yeah, he's iconic. And, and for me, I think he definitely deserves to be on this list. Leo, how do you feel about, uh, I almost said Black Panther, um, Wesley Snipes <laughs> as Blade, as an iconic casting decision in comic book movies? I am so mad, Chris. I'm so pissed off. And you want to know why? 
because he was not Why? on my list. And I, I, I painfully regret that as you bring him up. But, oh, my God, man, this was one of the first movies um, that I got kind of snuck into because I was very young. Um, and my mom was not going to allow me to watch that movie, but my dad took me to see it. And, man, was it fucking awesome. <laughs> I could just remember all the awesome, like, cool little, like, I mean, the cor- the fight choreography was actually really good um, for a movie like that in that time. I just want to say, especially for, like, kind of the more hokey comic book movies that were coming out. Like, it was very serious, and it was very – it had a very progressive story, and Wesley Snipes is Blade. Like, every – Every time somebody talks about renewing the Blade franchise, the only thing that's burning in my head is like, yeah, but y'all should get Wesley Snipes back. Because he is Blade. And, like, I, I really wish we could see Blade possibly even interact with, like, the MCU characters or come back in his own universe. Uh, three was three was trash, but it wasn't Wesley's fault. Um man this character i i want to see him again i actually watched blade back in like march again and wow that that movie still holds up today i i just i want another i want more of that character i wish we could get more and I, not a blade wesley snipes blade like we we need more of that man like let's be real here and and wow i, I completely kind of almost forgot about the black panther he tried to do tried to do until you brought it back up um and somebody actually made a fan poster out there it looks yeah i think i seen like that. it would be such a good poster or uh, such a good uh, movie dude i'd like, love to it, see that yeah i would love to see that like doesn't it just kind of like it blends that kind of lion king red into it but it looks like it has like a lot more serious themes like it just I would have loved to see that man, like, and to see all the themes they incorporated with that. How, like you said, how Wakanda would have looked back then. Like, imagine how the technology would have been so different. Like, ah, God, that would have been such a good movie. Yeah, they would have. Um, well, they probably would have treated vibranium completely different than the MCU. Completely different. Yeah, I could, I could definitely different. see it. Um, it, whereas they were using it so freely in uh, the MCU, I could definitely see them kind of preserving it. And uh, putting, you know, kind of keeping it sacred, almost kind of keeping it away from everyone, uh, which kind of would have set up a cool plot of like T'Challa figuring that out and just saying like, no, we we do need to get the resources out. I, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're hiding it away instead of, and 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 they were hiding it away in this Black Panther, but maybe hiding it away from society even. It, it could be an interesting twist, either way. Uh, but yeah, Blade, Blade definitely Wesley Snipes as Blade definitely belongs on this list, man. Great choice. I'm I'm so mad I didn't think about that. I don't beat yourself up too much. Um, it came to me last minute, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it it's iconic for me personally. And you're talking about bringing Blade back. Okay, so we got we got Morbius, the living vampire, right? Why don't you bring yeah. Blade back to hunt him down? Yeah, make Blade into yep. some kind of bad guy almost, like stalking, you know, put him as a villain, to, so to speak, or whatever you want to say. Because um, a lot of times Marvel is doing these, 
doing these villains that are not completely bad. They just have warped views about life and what things should be. They're not completely evil. Like Thanos thinks what he's doing is right. That's more dangerous than an evil person. I get it. But like Blade would want, would track down Morbius because he's not necessarily a good guy, so to speak, with quotation marks. You know, he just sees, you know, he kills vampires. So why not bring him back as an older Blade? Because Morbius is out now, right? At the end of the Morbius film, you have a fucking um, post-credit scene with Blade trying to track him down. And then, you know, boot the, you know have him come back in the, in the second film or whatever. I don't know. But that's, I just thought of that who, while you were talking about that, Leo. But who owns Blade? Because Morbius is owned by Sony. I think it's Disney. Yeah, so they couldn't do that because bullshit reasons. <laughs> Well, then again, Sony let Marvel borrow Spider-Man, so maybe in return they could borrow Blade, and that ah, would be a bring... positive step. Yes. Why wouldn't you do that, Sony? Sony, like, here, you'll take a cut. We'll all take a cut. Everyone wants to see it. Everyone's going to freak out if there's a post credit scene with Blade. You know that Wesley movie's going to be version. It, as we, Yeah, he comes out of the darkness with that shit-eating blade grin on his face, and he's got his sword and yeah. shit. Yeah. We're going oh, we're gonna, to we're gonna be with the sunglasses on. We're going to go see that movie. I don't give a shit. So if if they want to do it from a, a smart marketing phone. standpoint, yeah, I definitely think they should do it. All right, guys. Um, so I think that uh, leads us into our number two pick. Um and if you're just joining us, guys, we are slowly counting down our top 10 comic book movie castings. Uh, so far on our list, we have at number 10, Heath Ledger's Joker. At number 9, Michael Keaton's Batman, 89. At number 8, we have Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin, Daredevil. Number 7, Tom Hiddleston uh, as Loki in the MCU. Number 6 is Christopher Reeves as Superman. Number 5 is Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Number four is John Bernthal as Frank Castle. Number three, uh, we just talked about, was Wesley Snipes as Blade, and we're going to come back at it with number two. Guys, just so you know, we did open up uh, the Netflix Marvel series into our list. So if you're wondering why I just said a a couple of those, that's why. But Tia, so we're coming to you for number two. What do you got for us? No, 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 my friend. Isn't it Leo's turn? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so sorry. I got I got confused. My bad, Leo. That was not on purpose. He's doing you dirty right now, Leo. It's all good. It's all right, man. I lost track of the rotation. But uh, I'll make it up to you tonight when we do conversation Sunday conversation. Cool. I sounded so wrong. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right, Leo. Right on, My buddy. bad, bro. Right. <laughs> right on. Special treatment. Special treat. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> what do you got for us at number two? For number two, I am going to go with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, Wanted to put him at number one, but uh, it's not my turn for number one, so I wanted to put him at number two. Um, wow, just another just, again. We we keep on putting these characters here because they are 
character, and that's Hugh Jackman. Guys, I would not watch The Greatest Showman because I'm like, look, I cannot take Wolverine twirling around, singing songs. I just, I can't do it because he is Wolverine. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> movie, man. It's so, it's I a good movie, man. I'm not going not gonna to watch my Wolverine twirling around and singing songs, bro. It's just not going to happen. Um, I could go watch, you know, some Christmas movie for that. But, I mean, talk, again, talk about a character that has just solidly become, or like, has made this character him. Um, what did X-Men come out in 2000? What was it, 2000 or, like, 2002? But he had been Wolverine for so long. Yeah, he'd been Wolverine for 17 years. And, I mean, there are a couple hiccups here and there. That, that Wolverine origins was bullcrap, but it wasn't really his fault. Um just a great Wolverine, you know, he's got that very edgy cigar vibe, and people were worried about him in the beginning being Wolverine. They were like, well, he's not short enough, he's not Australian or Canadian. Um, but, man, he he came on the screen and just dominated it with his presence. I mean, the the movies without him, there are a couple that are good, but, man, he just, he's got such a, great presence on screen. He's he's a great Wolverine. X3, we can forget about that, but he's he's a fantastic Wolverine, fantastic actor, and he established that character and made that character for me, and just to close it out on such a great, great movie like Logan makes me sad to even see him go. Uh, even a year after, a year later, I'm still incredibly upset that he's gone as Wolverine, because um, Logan was Phenomenal. Uh, and I don't think you guys could disagree. I, it definitely got snuffed at the Oscars. It should have won that award uh, of Best adapt or best Adapted Screenplay, I believe it was. Yeah, it should have got that. Come on. Um, but but yeah, now I'm getting sad talking about it. Yes, Hugh Jackman for Wolverine. I, I can't watch him in anything else, Chris. I'm sorry. Greatest Showman might be good, but I just I can't, man. I can't do it. Man, Leo, no, I, you know, I can, he's on my list too. Um, you're right. He's another one of those iconic characters. You say Wolverine, uh, I say Hugh Jackman. You, you say Superman, I say Christopher Reeves. He's right there. And you're right. We've been, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I first saw uh, X-Men, you know, I was uh, a senior in high school and my friends and I went to go see it and we, we didn't like it. We were like, what the what the hell is this? Like this, these don't even look like the characters. This is this is not the right feel. And Wolverine's short, stocky, and he's got an attitude problem. I mean, I didn't really buy into um, Wolverine at first. It was a slow kind of feel for me a little bit. But he definitely, um, obviously, he nailed it because he's been doing it for so long. And there's been so many um, different writers attached to the project that he's been a part of. So you really can't fault him for some of the bad little speed bumps in his films, but you know, his dedication, his passion, um, he, you know, he, he's become that character and you kind of ignore the fact that he's supposed to be like four foot five and stocky. Um, but I do like the fact that they keep him Canadian cause that's awesome. Um, but he just, he brings another level, um, to the character and, and probably brought in a lot of actual, you know, fans to maybe comic books in general um, with his portrayal over the years. And yeah, I was really sad with, with Logan to see him go out like that. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. 
you know, not just saying goodbye, but you're, you're watching the character fall apart, too. So you know it's his last movie as Wolverine, but we're going to make Hugh Jackman, like, just fall apart in front of you um, and make you suffer along with him. Uh, it's such a good movie. It got snubbed. You're right. Uh, Hugh Jackman um, is Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, his his performance is legendary, and um, I wish they could find a way to bring him back in. Uh, but, yes, he definitely deserves to be on this list. Tia, how do you feel about Hugh Jackman's Wolverine? Hugh Jackman is on my list as well. He is Wolverine. Um, and, you know, I was about 13, I think, when I first watched the first X-Men movie. And I'll admit it to you guys, because we're all friends here, I had a crush on Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Like, I just loved him even in my, like, young teens, and then as the movies went on, I hated Wolverine Origins, as you said. That was crap, Um, and I think everyone knows that that movie was crap, but, and I think we continuously talk about Logan, and I remember one of the praises that I read was that this is finally Wolverine as we should be seeing Wolverine. It was a fantastic film. I love films, and I think one of the reasons why I love the Nolan films is because they're really, like, uh, played with realism, and I love that about Logan. He's aging. He's falling apart. His relationship with uh, Professor X, as Professor X is dealing with what we, I think, was Alzheimer's, and then with Laura. It was just this amazing film, which you guys are right, completely got snubbed at the Oscars, I, I mean, the way that the Oscars continuously sucks with our superhero movies is really just another thing on itself. I cried watching Logan. I mean, not only with him, you know, dealing with Professor X's death, but then at the end when him and Laura are just crying with each other. I mean, it was just so amazing. Hugh Jackman is just so iconic in that role that, you know, even though we love RDJ as Iron Man, are we ever going to get someone who's playing the same character for 17 years? And, you know, I would love if Hugh Jackson, I know that he really has no intentions of becoming Wolverine again, but if he could just pop up as a cameo in the next Deadpool movie just for shits and giggles, that would be amazing because Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have this amazing friendship and on-screen chemistry with each other that I would love that. And then they could just make some joke about how the last time Wolverine saw him, he looked like shit, and now he looks even more like shit or something like that. That would be great. Um, great pick, Leo. Yeah. Uh, that is that is a good pick, man. Uh, you're right. It, you know, I think we can just go on and on and on and on about how great uh, Hugh Jackman did in that role. Uh, it's just it's iconic. There's not really much else to say. Um, Leo, do you have anything else you want to say about Hugh? How, did you, did you, I'm curious, did you believe him as Wolverine? Like when you saw the X-Men movie come out in 2000 and you saw the black leather and you saw their kind of darker tone they were doing with it, Shit, no. kind of ignoring the comic books? Yeah. I'm curious to see how you oh, felt man. That. I mean, like I, you know, I, I watched the X-Men animated series for a while and, I got used yeah, to that's that Wolverine, my, that's Wolverine from the comics, yeah. and I was like, who, who is this guy? He's not even, like, no yellow suit? What? Like, you know, I was <laughs> I was kind of pissed off. Um, I was like, bring my yellow and blue X-Men to the, to the big screen. But as the movies continue on, 
you begin to really appreciate him in that character. Um, he really brings his own flavor to it and then just made that his. You know, now you really think of Wolverine, yeah, Hugh Jackman comes to mind just as much as the the one you do, you know, in the animated series. Yeah, um I agree. That's uh that's where I you know, I grew up with the you know, the trading cards, the comic books and, and obviously the animated series. So I was expecting a little bit more of that and I was naive enough to like mention it to my friends. I'm like, Do you think they're gonna use the intro music from the show in the in the movie? I'm like, If they do I'm gonna lose <laughs> if they do I'm gonna lose my mind. Right. They should do it and um they never did. So, um <laughs> yeah, it, it was a hard sell at first but right. Womp womp. Uh, hard sell at first, but you know, it grew on me and he owned it. So yeah, definitely. Uh guys, we're we're creeping up on number one and Am I right? It's Tia's turn this time, right? You guys aren't going to shoot me. It is her turn, right? She has no... She has the number one I just wanted to be fair to Leo and not, you know, jump over him, you know. Oh, Leo for actually (laughs) caring about my opinion. Oh, my Um, (laughs) crap. There Uh, I go, not caring about people's opinions. All right, Tia, uh, I won't hold you any longer. Uh, give us your number one pick. Oh, this is really tough because I have so many people on my list. I think I came up with like 20 people. I mean, there's so many. And I feel like it would be so easy to be like Chris Evans as Captain America. But I I really want to like talk about for a second Tom Hardy's Bane um, because I know yeah. that within the – I know within the Christopher Nolan trilogy that the Dark Knight Rises actually gets a little bit more flack than the previous two. Um, I love Tom Hardy. Uh, the first movie I saw him in was this movie called Lawless uh, with uh, Shia LaBeouf, which is actually probably the only one of the only films that I actually like Shia in. But um, you know, Christopher yeah, I'm, Nolan. Yeah, I'm familiar well, with that. It's a good film. I'm sorry. I said I was. I'm familiar with Lawless. That's a good. That's a great film. Yeah. Um. And you know they brought Tom Hardy in, and the reason. First of all, Chris, I feel like you need to have this. This is. I have this whole huge book which like talks about the Dark Knight trilogy and Christopher Nolan and his casting and what went into it. Yada yada yada. So the reason why Christopher Nolan brought Tom Hardy in is because he knew he was going to cover up his face. So he knew that Tom Hardy is such a good actor that he puts all of his emotions into his eyes that you it didn't matter that he covered all of his face. He didn't need any of his face to show for you to know every emotion that was on his face. Um, and the fact that he was just, we first see Bane and he's in that plane and that whole line with, you know, um, if I take the mask off, you know, will it kill you? It'll be very painful. You look like a tough guy, and he goes, for you. And as I keep watching the film, as I get older and keep watching it, you know, in that scene where that whole plane, I mean, first of all, that that stump itself was insane. And I noticed that um, when they're trying to escape the plane 
and the one guy goes to, like, you know, go with him, and Bane turns around and goes, no, there needs to be someone in the crash, and the guy just kind of smiles and sits back down. I didn't realize the first time I watched it that Bane was saying, no, you have to die, because when they search for the plane crash, at least one of us has to be a dead body there. So the guy's like, oh, okay, you're right, you're right. Um, And just everything that went into his physical presence just was so... remember when he was sitting there on Capitol Hill or whatever and he's tearing up the picture of Harvey Dent who was such a symbol for the whole for the whole sea the whole time and his whole demeanor and everything that he uh, his you know his his whole mission in that film and what he was trying to achieve and and I love the little things in the scene where he blows up the stadium and that young kid is singing and he goes, oh, what a beautiful voice. That was completely ad-libbed by Tom Hardy. That was not in the script at all. And it's just amazing, uh, his character, and then what drove him with Talia Agul that, you know, essentially this almost was all for her and the, the league and all of this. I really just think that Tom Hardy is Bane and you know I know that comic book wise he's not very you know he doesn't look exactly what we're used to what Bane probably should look like um it was definitely Christopher Nolan's own rendition but I will say one thing he looks a hell of a lot better than what they're bringing into Gotham as Bane so you know if you had a problem with Tom Hardy's Bane you definitely should check out what they're planning for the final season of Gotham because that really doesn't look like Bane. But, um, yeah, Tom Hardy is number one for me as Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Tia, I, I love your pick. I love it. You're you're right. I'm, I, uh, I think I love his performance as Bane in that movie more than I like Batman in that movie, to be honest with you. Uh, that sewer fight, that sewer fight was just epic. Um, when he was just punching the shit out of Bruce and just over and over and his cow was cracking. I, I thought to myself, all right, stop dude. Shit. Like, like, all right, you made your point, Bane. You kicked his ass. Stop it. <laughs> but I knew the, I, I knew the comic. I knew the back break was coming. Because I knew that's what Bane was famous for, and he broke the bat. And Bane is one of Batman's most formidable um, bad guys. He's even – I would put him on Joker, Bane. Those two, he's so smart and calculated. Um, Nightfall is a comic book you should read if you like Bane. I remember staring at that in the comic book store, and I'm looking at the bat break, and Bane is just this hulking guy. He's got Batman in his hands like it's a doll, and he's breaking his back. And I'm looking at the cover. I'm like, ah. I'm just enamored with it so much that my dad bought it for me. And I was like, oh, my God, somebody just defeated, defeated Batman and just broke him. And we got and, to see that. Know, and and ahead, what's Tia. crazy is, you know, um, you know, uh, so we had, and I'm sorry to take up so much time, but, you know, in the first Batman we had the Scarecrow and then, you know, Ra's al Ghul in the second you know, Batman and that, we had the Joker, and, you know, when they were coming into the third one, and with Heath Ledger dying, people were like, oh, well, let's bring the Riddler in, because he's kind of similar to the Joker, and Christopher Nolan's like, no, I want to bring in someone who could contend with Batman on a physical level, 
And that was Bane, man. Yep. I mean, uh, Tom Hardy bulked the fuck up for that film. It was crazy. It was. It was. It's a testament to his acting chops. I mean, he's a great method actor. And you were talking about top actors of our generation. He's, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, Tom Hardy, Christian Bale. They go the extra mile for their roles. Um, say what you want about, you know, method actors. And, and they're difficult well, to work with. Yeah, I, I, Eddie Brock. My name is Eddie Brock. I, I hate that. I hate that movie so bad. I hate that movie. Anyway, sorry, but Tom Hardy <laughs> nails it in this one. You say what you want about. We've been there, right, Leo? But anyway, uh, I just I love it. And um, you're right. They wanted to. Uh, he wanted to bring a presence uh, to Batman, um, someone that you know could be his equal necessarily, but also just kind of go. Um, above and beyond, and it's just brilliant. The pray, like the, like the the opening prelude to uh, the film on the airplane with Bane is just intimidating, and um, that that face, that mask, it's just I can go on forever. But Leo, how do you feel about Tom Hardy as Bane? You think darkness is your ally? <laughs> Love that movie, dude. Right? Oh Love man, the sewer Tom fight Hardy scene is so like, awesome. The sewer fight scene, bro, is jaw dropping like i literally no music like, that scene alone I love it. Is, no is, music that that right that scene alone for me it just makes the movie man like he honestly i watched that movie for days like let's be real here Bat, like Simpson Bale, Batman, awesome but like Bane is a whole other level like tom hardy just brought his all to that movie and actually it took me a while to see that movie because i was just kind of a little bit emotionally beat up with what happened over here in Aurora. Um, so I didn't watch that movie for a little while, but when I finally got to it, like, I was like, wow, I was missing out. Um, Tom Hardy's Bane is phenomenal. Uh, so many quotable moments. And I actually didn't know he ad-libbed the uh, singing part to you. So thanks for that little fact. Um, that's That's awesome. That's just a testament to how great of an actor he is and how, he brings himself to this character so well. Uh, sometimes I even forget it's Tom Hardy. I'm not gonna lie. Like, yeah. dude, he is jacked in that movie, and I don't know, I don't know why he didn't get that way for Venom. Like, what, what happened? Um, but that's a that's a conversation. I, I told you he Great wasn't choice. he wasn't dedicated. Don't don't yeah. spoil Venom. I'm seeing it. This oh, afternoon, no. guys. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. I'm Why so did you say sorry. something, Tia? Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Listen, okay. here's what I'll say. First viewing, I I, I thought it was pretty good. So you, you might yeah, just, you, just let us yeah, know. Yeah, you might think. enjoy it the first time. Yes, I definitely would love to know what you think, Tia, since, you know, we both just, we all we all just kind of kissed his butt for being good. And I think... um. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Venom. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to no, be no, that no, guy because I'm so that guy at me. school. They come to me and ask Not me, "Hey, Chris, have you seen this movie?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, this movie. Blah blah. blah. I haven't seen it yet." I'm like, "Why are you asking me if I've seen it when you know I'm going to talk about it? You can't ask me." Yeah, that. people do so that. I don't to want to be that guy, job, dude. Uh, you people know what I do, right? They know, like, yeah, like. <laughs> Hey, what you saw this movie? What what did you think? And I say, and they're like, "Well, not too much. I'm going to see it later this week." And I'm like, "Well, you just asked me my opinion. I'm just being honest." <laughs> right. And if you want my short and skinny version of it, 
it's either yes or no for me. That's kind of what I do for them. I go, nope, I don't like it. But even when I do, I like pieces. I don't have time to tell them everything. But definitely, Dan yeah, Chris don't like to Tom tell Hardy. a story. <laughs> I like to. Be I like, don't have time. Well, here. <laughs> I do, but I don't have time at school when you know oh, I got man. a thousand things to do every day. So um, yeah, but you know, Leo, Tom Hardy, right? He just, he just, he just kills it. Most Number of the one. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely, like Tom Hardy is like ninety nine percent on fucking point. Um, and this movie was made by Bane. Like, seriously, yeah, it's so quotable. Like, I, I like, I don't know, was it Leo? I was talking to you where I, I, I do the Bane voice at school, and it, the kids get they love it. it let's, I just let's love hear it. it. Just, let's hear it. No, I don't want to do it. I'm shy. Um, oh, come on, Chris. But. It's not that it's not that good. It's it's really easy. All you got, to, but here's the Come thing, on, you know, a lot of people just cup their, a lot of people just cup their mouth and and they think that's it. But he he actually has a, some of a Tom Waits kind of an accent uh, going on with his character. So it's I'm not just a muffledness. You have to ask. You have to actually, you know. Well, I'm actually change the pitch of your voice. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> 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 Let's not stand on ceremonies here, Mr. Wade. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And when he turns around, he looks at Bane. You know, I don't think Batman ever had an oh, shit moment, but I'm sure he was like, oh, fuck, you're a lot, you know. You're you're pretty damn big there, dude. And his clinking when he's walking, his boom, boom, it's just his presence is awesome. And then, you know, Bruce giving it all he's got. And his one-liners, when he catches Bruce's fist, and he's like, peace is costing your strength. And he turns it around and head smacks him and he says, victory has defeated you. I'm like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. Oh. This is brilliant. This is what I came here for. Kick his ass. Kick his ass. And then when he did, yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, stop. Stop, please. Please stop kicking you, his ass. Please. You were rooting <laughs> for Bane in that moment. I like to see my characters damaged and brought back up. Like when Spider-Man was like, come on, Spider-Man, come on, Spider-Man. He was lifting that shit off of him, and he had that moment of weakness, but he triumphed over it. That's the measure of a man. Yeah. When you get the or, – or a person, excuse me, not just a man, but it's a measure of a person. You get knocked down. Are you going to get back up? How are you going to get back up? And how much of a beating can you actually take and still keep coming at you? You know, all of Captain America, I can do this all day type of shit. I love that. Um, I just ate that up for breakfast. I love it. And and, oh, and Batman got his commungeon. Can What's I up? just state some honorable mentions, though? Chris Evans. Yeah, real Captain quick. Captain America yeah. was awesome. Um, great, uh, like, just, just great embodiment of somebody who actually, again, brings their personality to the role. Um, that's what I want to toss out as mine. I got a couple more, but I'll let y'all. I don't want to take up too much time. I like the cast. Oh, and Ryan Reynolds. Of... Ryan Reynolds has said cool. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds that's why. I... Yeah, I think Paul Rudd as Ant Man is a good casting uh, decision. It came at a great time in Marvel. Yep. He's just he's just so funny to me, and that character is like when at the end of the homecoming fight at the airport. Does does anybody have any orange slices? It's just <laughs> fucking funny. It's like in the middle of this epic. Epic battle, and I because I remember playing soccer, and I remember coming off the field, and someone would hand me a juice box and a fucking orange slice. I swear to God, and I'm like, I'm eating it, you know. 
And he's, he's just sarcastic and funny. He's got a kind heart. I love how he plays the character, his interactions with his daughter. And another thing about Bane, guys, is I named my daughter Talia, just so you know. Oh, um, that's amazing. So, um, yeah, right? I, I was trying well, it, she, my wife, my my wife said no, Selena. She didn't like Selena. She didn't like Barbara. I didn't like either Barbara either. I'm trying to think of these names, like, you know, Pamela. No, I was thinking of all the names. Right. I was, yeah, I was trying. And then I'm like, oh, Talia is awesome. That's cool. And like, because you know, Bruce and them have a you know relationship. They have a love child or whatever. So. Uh, yeah. So with that being said, my daughter's name is Talia. So Aww. I named her after Talia Al Ghul. I sure did, and I'm not embarrassed about it. If my son was going to be named Bruce, and she's like, oh, my God, you can't do that to him. I'm like, no, I'm going to name him, you know, Bruce Wayne. And, and if he doesn't learn to fight, then that's his problem. Because if you're carrying that name, you better be strong. But um, it's lucky it's a girl. So um, I just want to throw that to out there. Out, I just wanted to throw out two honorable mentions, just because I feel like they deserve it. Um, Jim Carrey is the Riddler, and this Fuck is, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm throwing out the only girl on the list, and this could be arguable, but we don't have time for it. Uh, Anne Hathaway oh, is shoot. Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. I loved her yes. as that character, so yeah, that's yes, an, yeah. another honorable mention. And you know what? Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman was pretty dope, yeah. too. Oh, man. Michelle Pfeiffer. We got it. Yeah. You know what? Holy fuck. Yeah. We missed out a lot, guys, in real quick, 30 seconds left, but I just want to say thank you guys for we coming on. It was another – yeah, I know. We'll come back and revisit this, guys. It was great having you on. Um, Leo, Tia, thank you very much. Um, guys, um, it's been great. And until next episode, say goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, see everybody. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, guys. Hey. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.